folks, welcome into a very, very special Crossing Swords. Hockey is finally back, and I have two very special guests with me today. We have Cats down in Long Island, and we got Dami Hockey up in Utica repping the Rangers. But first, our sponsor, Pazda Electric, 716-698-2711. Give them a call for any residential or commercial electrical project. They can help with anything from new house wiring, fuses to circuit breakers, or any type of service call. Give them a call and let them know Trainwreck Sports sent you, and they'll give you a little discount, and we'll get a little, you know, a little bit of good boy points. But it's time to talk to the boys. Their teams are going to be back, and they're going to be playing tomorrow, and it's an eve of hockey for you boys. I'm going to kick it to you, Dom. It's your first time on the pod. How are you feeling right now? Good, good, Tybee. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the intro. I can feel all the Sabres fans rolling their eyes in the back of their head so hard they're going to give themselves a concussion thinking we got a Rangers fan on here. <laughs> but uh, I'll do my best not to be biased, especially with Katsy on here. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be tough with Katz, especially down on Long Island. He's down on that echo chamber there yelling, let's go Isles. Um, how are you feeling, Katz, right now? You got the white whale with the team. Things are looking nice. Everyone's healthy. What are your What are your yes, thoughts yeah. right now? Yeah, no, we're we're looking forward to it, especially us down in the island. I mean, as far as any hockey fans are concerned, uh, you know, today is a day that we've been waiting for. Uh, it's you know until that puck dropped for that first exhibition game that just ended uh, maybe about twenty minutes ago. Where it's kind of surreal, but we're looking forward to that Isles Rangers matchup. It's always a good time. Yeah. Train. <laughs> yeah, so you got a huge, huge matchup tomorrow. Exhibition game, but you got to get things right looking into this play-in, play-off round, however you want to consider it. You got to get things going right away. Um, talking about strategy here, how do you think the team comes out out the gates? Do you think, you know, you go full starting lineup, full gear right away? Cats, you think Trotz is going to be just fucking unleashing the beast? Uh, that um... – I don't think so. With the, with these preseason games and all this time off that the players had in between the pause and now, I think uh, both coaches will take the approach of just kind of like it's still training camp. Let's let's mix up the lines a little bit, but let's also be really competitive here. We're 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 all playing for the same thing here, starting this weekend. Um, and I saw the approach that the Penguins and the Flyers took today. Uh, two, um, I saw Carter Hart start those first two periods with Brian Elliott playing that third. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully tomorrow we get a good look at who is going to be starting for the Isles and net. But um, always you got to take it serious against the Rangers. It's your rivalry here. Uh, we had a couple of good matchups. You know, they have our Tammy Panera and Zabinijad. It's a good team to play against, get the legs going, but we're excited. Yeah, Katz, you talk about that goalie issue right there. Who do you think is going to get the nod for the Isles? Because that's, that's really up for, up for debate. No, yeah, that's it's it's really up up for grabs right now. I I think with Grice's past history of playing, uh, obviously longer for the Islanders and more games against Florida, especially clinching that series back in 2016, I think it's Grice's net to lose. But they are fairly similar in numbers, Varlamov and Grice. So we'll we'll see coming out the gate tomorrow. But uh, I expect all that time off. The boys had nothing to do but get healthy and ready to go. Yeah, hopefully they're looking good. And you talk about an interesting goaltending situation. It's very similar for the Rangers. For so long, you know, it's just been Hank, 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 Hank. But Georgiev has come on strong. And you have, you know, some legitimate questions there too. Where do you think you're 
you're going to start off uh, the game tomorrow with the Isles, Dom? Uh, I'm, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. I, I think the true number one in New York going forward is, is going to be Igor Shesterkin. I don't think there's any question about it. I mm. mean, the guy's he's unbelievable. But then you got Hank coming out saying, he's like, I still think I can win the number one job in New York. And if you look at his numbers when he has time off, he probably he still has it left in the tank. What's going to happen next year? I really don't know. I would like to see them start Hank at least for the exhibition game, and at least not for the first game. I think what's the harm in you starting him? You know, what I mean, like this could be his last hurrah with the blue shirts. Let him go, and then if he if he takes a dump, I mean, you got Shesterkin and Georgia behind him. It can't be any any worse than that, right? I, that's just how I, I see it. I mean, they got three guys who are loaded, and it's just, you almost can't go wrong. I mean, our defense isn't that great, so. I mean, you're just going to have to figure it out in the crease. Yeah, and that's something that's been interesting, you know, the whole season for the Rangers because you had that, you know, big span there where Georgia really had looked real solid and you finally get Shesterkin in the mix. And it looks like, you know, you're you're built for the future, you know, behind Hank. But, you know, when is the right time to give the keys over, you know, to these young guys? It, it was sort of the same problem, you know, in Buffalo after Ryan Miller. It was like, what, where do you go? Uh, do you find stop gaps so you get those young guys? But it seems like you have them there. Now it's just, you know, is it time to turn them over? But you have, you know, you have to weigh that balance now of possibly, you know, you play Hank, does he shoot the bed? Like, that's fine because, like, maybe you have that chance with the number one pick. Like, I think that alters things a lot. Oh, I, absolutely. I completely agree because they're going to run into a situation too where in a perfect world I, I would like to keep Shesty and, and Georgiev and then – but at that cost, you're going to have to buy Hank mm-hmm. out. And then if you have to buy Hank out, you're not going to re-sign some of these guys. Like, they got to re-sign Ryan Strom. They got to re-sign Tony D'Angelo. Our defense is already anemic as it is. So we're going to have a problem there. Uh, I love Hank. He's my favorite player of all time. But mm-hmm. it, it might be time to move on. He, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. But these two guys they both got, I mean, if you keep both of them and you keep that tandem win lock, you're set for the next however many years. I mean, they're both dynamite. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, and um, we're you know at that point for so long we're, with the Sabers where you know you transition from Hasek, you have sort of Baron to mm-hmm. Miller, and you you just have that confidence always knowing that you're not going to be out of a game as long as you can you know get yourself two or three goals, you might have a chance to win, and that's a similar style game that the Isles have played all year. Cats, do you think they're going to be able to you know find enough scoring here up in Toronto to get things done? Um, that yeah, that's definitely uh, a main concern for us as a fans' point of view because obviously we're the ones uh, that are watching them not score the goals. But I'm sure the players are just as frustrated as also you know they're not scoring goals on the power play. But it's going to be interesting. I think uh, the special teams are going to be huge for this qualifying round. Um, it's five games. You don't have that those extra two games to play this series and go go the distance here. You have to execute on those special teams here. And um, I think with this time off, that's the secondary scoring is going to be huge. We're depending on Beauvillier, Everly, uh, Andres Lee's big body in front of the net, Brock Nelson. Like, we're depending on these players uh, to put the puck uh, in, the, in the back of the head because we know Barzal can do it. He led the team with 60 points this year. Um, we've obviously seen J.G. Pajot put the puck in the back of the net. Sorry, Don, for those four points. Oh, back here we go. Years, <laughs> years ago. Uh, but uh, the Pajot train is here. I'm on guy on this day for the long term. Uh, but, we're, but, we're, but we have the pieces to score. Is Do they want to do it? Are they are they not motivated enough? Any we'll chance see, Keith Bello plays? Kiefer Bellows did not make the uh, the roster coming up here, so um, 
you know, Kiefer Bellows didn't, Oliver Wallstrom, more of the younger guys didn't. Um, we have more of a vet roster, as we've seen with these average ages coming out. The Islanders are last on the list with 28.9 yeah. years average. Yeah, I think that, that factors in before, like, a couple of those guys who, who will get taken out. So, like, Vancouver will be, like, a little younger. But um, oh, yeah. I think the, the Isles will still be up there either way. But it's but, an, it's an yeah. interesting, yeah, core of, of guys because you look at it, you still have, you know, Sezikis and them around. and They're great and down the middle, I think. Too. Yeah. Yeah, so like, great. And I'm looking at it now. We have we are 17.3% on the power play before the pause. Uh, that's not the best, but it's not the worst. We're, we're still putting the puck back in that, but you want to be closer to that 20% more. Sezika's so back is huge. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think getting everyone healthy, healthy for the Isles is, is the number one thing. Like, you look at this pause, like, they were, you know, sputtering a bit. Um, I think especially because of, you know, the injuries, you know, piling up, like having to send guys up and down from Bridgeport, like as, as short of a travel as it is, like the mindset of going back and forth, like isn't the easiest thing, I don't think. Um, I think, Dom, you can talk a little bit more about that, like being around Utica as much as you have, like some of these AHL, NHL guys who are making the jump in between. And then you get a guy like, you know, Justin Bailey, who had been that for the Sabres for so long, you know, mm-hmm. he gets a new opportunity and, you know, he really succeeds and flourished in Utica. Oh, yeah. When, when we – because I don't miss – you know, I have season tickets, so I don't miss a home game. I watch every away game on, on AHL TV for the Utica Comets. So I'm really familiar with the Canucks. And the first time I saw Bailey, I was like, holy shit, can this kid dance with the puck? I mean, Jesus Christ, he's great coast to coast. But then the beginning of the season, all he did was lose the puck. And then I referred to him, I think I told you yesterday, I was calling him nothing doing Justin Bailey for half the season. And then he ripped off three hat tricks in four games or something like that and made me a complete liar. Yeah. So, I mean, he made the roster. If he's strong with the puck, I mean, he, he could just shake it up just the way he's fast. And then a big thing that Vancouver is going to get jump-wise from the Utica comments, I mean, they brought up a ton of our defensive players because they have – same with Catsy with the Isles. I mean, they have a ton of dinosaurs on the blue line. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, they can get a little youth a boost. Yeah, they can get a little youth boost out of the blue line. But I, I, Vancouver in this play is dangerous. But, I mean, we can talk about that some other time. I, I think I, they're going to be – I think on the last Crossing Swords pod, and we talked about it too mm-hmm. a few times, Dom, um, I, Vancouver's the only ones I got sweeping that first series. I, dude, I, listen, I've been watching Jacob Markstrom for years. I, I sat, Underrated. I sat Underrated. seven rows away from him in the crease for when his time in Utica, and he's just – and with De- Thatcher Dumko behind them. I mean, they're both mm-hmm. turned into studs. Markstrom had a borderline MVP caliber season for him. I mean, he was dynamite. And so if he comes back – and he didn't miss a beat. If you watch him in the playoffs, he worked hard this entire break. So – or practice. Uh, who, is, who is leading that Vancouver team with points before the pause? Who was leading before the pause? JT Miller. Yeah, how you doing? Actually, York Ranger. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, he had 72 points, I think it was. Yeah, JT wow. Miller led him and then followed by Petey. Bro, he, he had a dynamite year for them. I mean, holy Jesus. Yeah, like you look to find some yeah. secondary scoring. That's a great move, I think, you know, right. for Vancouver to get someone who's somewhat established, not a huge name, but someone, you know, who's proven themselves. And In that's the something, yeah, the right. Sabres would you know that's you know ideally a type of move the Sabres would have to make you know this offseason not a huge splash because there's not going to be a ton of free agents out there and it's going to be real tough looking to get top six guys and that's going to be you know a struggle for the Isles too I think like you're going to have to probably make a trade if you want a top six guy you're going to have a much condensed window how much movement's really going to go on between these teams outside of free agency 
like that remains to be seen with everything and these financial ramifications of everything. But it's it's a sort of a lackluster, you know, free agent class for the top six. Oh, yeah. Our our cap situation is not looking the greatest in the next couple of years. We have uh, some pretty big names to sign. Uh, to re-sign, I apologize. We have uh, Barzal, and we definitely want to get, you know, Ryan Pulak and Devon Tays in the mix uh, on some contracts here. But if I was to choose out of the three to kind of just kind of like let go, it's Devon Tays. We're kind of good on the defense. Uh, we, we our, our core is really good here. We do have Ryan Pulak, Adam Pellick, uh, those two vets, uh, Letty Boychuk, and, of course, Andy Green re-signed in the uh, free agency there. Um, like I said, our average age isn't looking the best, but it's a good mix of a young to a veteran core. It, it kind of goes well that. when, yeah, uh, yeah well, <laughs> whatever works for me, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over the Islanders averaging almost 30 years in age in that locker room. <laughs> but if they want to keep adding fat guys, I mean, we got players like Leo Komarov still skating in the NHL. Like why? But I understand the intangibles. But still, well, why? That's see, that's what I said. Like when we were talking about the Vancouver Canucks roster earlier, like I looked at the final roster and I saw Louis Erickson on there. I was under the impression that Louis Erickson had retired. Like he's, <laughs> I just, I mean, he's so old and useless. I, that's five. a benefit that I mean, the Sabers are in a tough spot coming forward. Like you said, I mean, obviously, I don't know if we talked about this. Eichel's probably not going anywhere. You'd imagine in a perfect world. No, stop. Like, everyone needs to stop offering goddamn trades to us on Twitter because, I, like, I hope Kevin Adams, number one, get, stay off Twitter because you don't want to see the things Sabres fans are going to be saying about you in the future. Uh, number two, you don't want to see these ridiculous trade offers that people Guilty are offering for, for Jack Eichel because if you're not giving me franchise players and guaranteed top ten picks, then you can hold, you know, everything you know like for anyone for anyone who is tuning into crossing swords do not come with come up with any trade rumors for eichel because you'll hear it from brett buddha he gets fired oh he gets about it do not yeah get him mad if yeah like if if anything yeah do not get him mad if anything like you guys are saving us the trouble of having to hear brett like and be his therapist for like, you know, five to 10 minutes, walk him off a ledge. Like, dude, like they're not going to trade Eichel. They're not going to trade Eichel. They're not going to trade Eichel. Like, Oh, it's terrible because he just, Oh, he's always freaking out about him. And like, you see some of these, it's like, you know, these like middle six, like two middle six forwards, like guys who aren't, you know, going to be a top line. And then like first round picks on teams who are playoff teams. Like I don't want your, you know, 22nd overall pick. Like you can, you know, go wipe the floor with that. Like we can't even hit on the eighth overall pick right now. Like, you know, we've had such a shitty fucking draw in the, in the draft lately. We can't even, you know, hit on, you know, our guaranteed picks. Like you look at our history with the eighth pick, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, Casey Middlestat and Alex Nylander. (laughs) I mean, Ristolainen's an NHL player, thankfully. Right, right. Yeah, like I mean, one of them is. you guys got some decent young players. It's just like you don't have that whole, I don't know, um, like veteran guy to kind of pull you through. Like you got a guy like Eichel, and if safe Skinner stays healthy and actually does what he's capable of doing, mixed with some of these other young guys, like you're actually not in bad shape. But, I mean, it comes down to what your guys' draft looks like. I, what what, what you, even is your pick? Do you have the third, fourth? eighth again that's what i was saying oh, eighth. that's what it is yeah, yeah you're stuck yeah you're stuck with eighth again because you get bumped down because of the team jumping uh you from the play-in which was right. you know the most likely option i was i 
I, you know, I came to terms with it, you know, a long time ago. They were there was no chance we were winning it. Like we were going to get jumped. It was going to be a playing team. Like I, you know, I brought in the numbers. Like I, right. you know, I'll, I'll swallow the pill early. Like it's going to happen. So you know, you look at eight. There's going to be some options there. There's you know a deep deep class in this first round, and it's going to be weird the way everything plays out because some of these guys in Europe might be back to play. Uh, before the draft even starts so can a guy like Lucas Raymond jump up the board a little bit and make someone like Marco Rossi fall to the Sabres I hope so um, right because that would be sort of optimal I think you get a scoring center who doesn't need to do too much because you're going to have you know um, Eichel and you're going to have hopefully Dylan Cozens around him like in the center of the ice like if you want to keep him in the center he can obviously also play on the wing like he's undersized a little bit but he put up more points in the CHL this year than Alex Lafreniere um, I think he's probably you know top two most dangerous players in the draft and if you're there at eight that's who you want to fall to you but you can get some other guys like um, some of these wingers out of Europe like Holtz or Raymond right. who can do some things um, it's just it's going to be weird the way everything falls because of everything that's going on right now. Yeah, it's kind of like you said too. The, the, this draft class is weird because like before all this happened, everything shut down. The it was like the front end of the draft, like the majority of the front first round is like loaded, and then there's like a massive drop off in talent. Yeah. It almost seems, but like it. I'm gonna I'll just use the Rangers for example. If you watch like the guys skate, Capo Caco got he got to play overseas a ton and he he's a child and he looks like he's playing with grown men properly. He's 18 years old, but he got to skate with players. So he looks fine. So a lot of these draft picks from over or prospects rather from overseas might look a lot different in a couple months. That's exactly you like know. when you're, when you're yeah, an 18 year old, you're filling into your frame, but you've been at least training with these adults the entire time. Like you may be playing in, um, in this, uh, the Swedish super, um, the 20 or the 18, yeah. but you're still generally practicing, you know, some with the senior team and you're around them the whole time you're within the organization. Um, and it's the same, you know, sort of training from, you know, once you get there, you know, to when you, you, you know, you finally make it, it's, it's sort of this core, you know, academy almost concept where sure. you know, we're going to play this style and you're going to train this style and we're going to train you in to be the best player you can be in this style and try to get you to the NHL. That's, you know, sort of the model out there and it's really working for them. And a lot of those guys are able to make the jump quickly. And even those guys who don't make the jump immediately, you give them a year or two to season once they finally grow into their bodies because, you know, they're playing against adults rather than, you know, playing against 16 year olds. Um, I think, you know, their progression, they hit more of a, a quick, a little bit of, um, of a, of a jump there where, you know, they're a little bit quicker to be ready to play. Like you see when you brought Victor Olofsson over, he didn't need that much time to be a goal scorer right away in North America. Right. No. Yeah, absolutely. The, the amount of talent that's coming out of that part of the world right now is just unbelievable. And they're just, they're all that super skilled player. Cause that's just the way they play mm -hmm. over there. The game is a lot different overseas as it is to North it's America. It's a larger ice. Yep. Uh, it's more of a skill set game. Like me and my buddy Devin, he played on international ice a lot. We were talking, it's just, the game's a lot different. You know what I mean? They don't put emphasis on fighting and stuff. And they just, if you can wheel and deal over there, you're a stud. That's how it works. So yep. it'd be interesting to see. Yep. And it's very interesting for both you boys. Cause you guys are in the play in round but both teams could very, very much use the number one pick. Yeah. If yeah. you get behind, if you get behind in this series, like 
you know, is that, is that something in your mind, do you think in the front office or, you know, management's mind, you know, Hey, we're down to one in this series. Like, do we do everything we can to come back or, Hey, do we, you know, take that, what is it? 12.5% shot. Yeah. Yeah. At getting, <laughs> at getting the number one pick because that could be an absolute game changer for either team cats start me off. Yeah, no, like I mentioned earlier, we have two less games to, to kind of really figure out in this series so everything's a little bit tighter than, than normal. Like a two-to-one series lead is is huge. Um, but, I, yeah, like like I mentioned, at that point, when you're two games two games up on one, like you, does the, the team that's behind, like, figure it out? Like, do we have to try and win this series? Or do we kind of try to put forth the best lineup to – still be competitive, but also try and get that number one overall pick. But you also have that 12.5% chance against all the other teams. But at the end of the day, these guys are competitors. I don't think they're out here trying to get a number one pick. Actively trying to get a draft pick. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know Well, dude, hockey players are just – they're just wired different. You know what I mean? I was trying to explain this yeah. to people I work with because they were like, oh, you think it's weird. I'm like, well, considering the fact that 80% of them were born in a different country and the 20% that were here at least lived as an adult playing professionally or as a child left their family to live with another family to play hockey. The only thing they're thinking about right now is winning that cup. They don't care about yeah. anything else. No, All no. All right, but we're always thinking like, oh, what are these teams thinking about? That yeah, we're not. I'm not. Yeah, like, what I are don't we think, thinking about? Like Lafreniere thinking, like, oh, he's like, oh, I can really go to any team. I think yeah, he wants to go to Montreal. A That's where he wants to go. Here. Like, I can go anywhere. I think it's a lock for like honestly that 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 Montreal Canadiens team. It just kind of makes sense. I, I feel like the the loser of that series will most likely land that Lafreniere pick. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine if he ends up in Pittsburgh. Oh, oh, if he ends up in just, Pittsburgh, I'm, re- I'm retiring from the NHL, too. Oh, you heard dude. it here first. That, that, oh. that, that's a hot take for anyone listening to me. Hot garbage take <laughs> down on Long Island here. It's 99. I, it feels like it's 99 degrees here. I'm burning up down here, guys. So, God. So it I can smells listen, like, I, it smells like the city I down on the island. Penguins are going to hit that pick. <laughs> <laughs> if the, yeah, if the Penguins get that pick, it's going to be – it, like SpongeBob running around with bikini bottom on fire, like everyone losing their minds on NHL Twitter because everyone already is, you know, because of it being a play-in team, like a team who is in in the playoffs. Does this the playoffs. set the model for what's to come? When I mean, like it's, I mean, obviously it's gonna when when COVID is all said and done, and we have a normal season, a normal playoff series coming up, like. Is this the norm? Or like, is this how things are going to be handled, though, with this no. qualifying round? All these teams think so. getting twelve point five percent chances of getting that equal. I don't. I don't think. Pick. I don't think there's any chance like that. NHL I don't think we see anything like this. Season Not ever. like that. No, I think like yeah, we'll see. Like the season probably start later, and it's going to continue to be like in that slot, which I don't think is like necessarily the worst case because some of these, you know, cooler climates, you get some nicer situations like sure. better you know some better weather better you know whatever right. so you can get playoffs and when we have you know the sabers you know you do the party in the plazas so you can get a way better turnout like the weather's beautiful out like that's mm-hmm. the sort of thing you would want as the league i think um and i think you're competing less against 
the NFL during key times of the season, impactful times of your season, going into February, going, you know, like that's when the Super Bowl normally is. That's, you know, when you're getting into the crunch time of the NHL. So, you know, you pull that back a little bit and I think you get a little bit more shine there. I think that's why, you know, the NBA has been talking about doing this for a couple of years. So it naturally gives them that opportunity. But I think the NHL does that as well. And, you know, you see the season start maybe, every year right around Thanksgiving. Sure. No, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. I, I'd like, I, I've talked on the internet with people about like, what's the difference when they play? Like it's 2020 We have free on pipes. Like we have ice all year round. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't make a difference. So if you push it back, like why not? Especially if you're going to potentially build exposure to the sport. And like you said, you don't have to compete as much. Absolutely. Let's do it. Who cares? But with this, like, pandemic going on, of course, this takes away from, like, the games in China or these overseas games that they want to play in Sweden, over in Europe. This takes away from a lot of exposure that the league gets. But players' safety comes first when when it comes down to it. And um, after seeing uh, a great first exhibition game not too long ago, I think the NHL has done a really good job to Mm -hmm. make sure that everyone is accommodated for it. Better than Major League Baseball, who did nothing. (laughs) That is absolutely true. Yeah, Manfred is having a catastrophe down there with the MLB. Uh, yeah. but, uh, good yeah, it, it seems that, like the NHL know, did a great job, you know, the yes. way it, it you got to handle think, the uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. So like obviously bubble versus no bubble. So you're, you know, intaking players and you have them in a structured place and you have, you know, the testing protocols within the intake. So you're not exposing each other during that process. So then, you know, once you get the negative tests, you can come in, you can start your training. Um, you know, MLB, you had that sort of in the beginning, but the way, you know, every state has all their different restrictions. If people, you know, as much as you want to hold them accountable to stay in the bubble, like people are people. Like mm-hmm. if someone late at night wants to go, you know, grab a snack and, you know, they walk down to the hotel lobby to grab a snack, like you can get exposed to someone else in the hotel or whatever else, or, right. you know, like any little situation can expose you if you're not you know on the top of your wits end at all times like constantly thinking about it and even in that case like you're still not you know 100 percent. so the the mlb is really you know kind of botched it now where you could could have exposed other teams by knowingly having you know marlin's positive tests and still you know continuing to play another game and then you've seen you know what happened with the Phillies Yankees series having to move that because you want to make sure the Phillies don't end up starting to test positive because then you could expose the whole Yankees team and then you have pretty much the whole AL East and NL East would get ravaged and you have no East Coast worth of baseball left Um, so what the, the NHL is doing is great with the bubble if everyone stays in the bubble everything you know should go off fine you've seen the MLS has had no issues recently since you had, you know, the initial positive tests, they didn't come into the bubble um, and you got those teams out immediately and things have been going off with no hitch. The uh, national women's soccer league was able to do it with their bubble. Uh, the basketball tournament did it with theirs. Like it's all about, you know, staying contained. And I think the NHL did a great job doing this. Right. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. There's all these leagues took different approaches and uh, anyone who went with the, with the the bubble format seems to be ahead of the game a little bit. Um, the MLS, I mean, I'm sorry, the MLB, of course, had its uh, had its issues there with um, um, coming up with uh, a good like approach to 
the the bubble format, uh, but they didn't. And this is this is what happens when you have teams traveling from these major cities to major cities. You have all these COVID cases spiking in Florida. Like what what was the league expecting coming from the Marlins down there when they're trapped down in Florida with their spring training sites, stuff like this moving forward. But uh, when it comes to the NHL, though. Uh, Dom, I'm sure you can agree with me that we probably won't see these Euro games coming up anytime soon um, or at these games in China or even maybe like an all-star game or an all-star weekend. Like we might not see one for another couple of years because of this pandemic sending us back a few years. Overseas games are probably, I would imagine those are probably completely out. I mean, do you think it's, do you think it's worth having Americans an all-star aren't even weekend allowed to go if there's no fans? As you say, yeah. Americans aren't even, they don't even want Americans in this. Yeah, like, we right. can't even go to no, Canada. they don't want us over there. Right? No, they don't yeah, even want Not us. without that 14-day quarantine, no way. But do you think no. with that, without fans in arenas, is there a purpose to an all-star game? All-star um, I mean... No, I don't know. No, Not really. No, because I think I think the whole thing that's is all for the fans. That's all for the it's fans. for the fans that can come to the event. You have all the events around it with um, the NHL fan stuff that they bring in, and they do like a big little festival outside every year around it. So to not be able to have those things in the same way, it doesn't make sense to necessarily even have the All Star game. Maybe you still name guys to the All Star teams, but yeah. like, what's what's the sense? I mean, besides the TV dollars, like, is that guaranteed in the contract? It probably is. So you might still have to do it. But in the sense we've, like, known to see it as, you know, this growing spectacle and with the three, 3v3, three three, it's, you know, really gained some traction again in the past years. I don't necessarily think, you know, it's going to be the same because even if you, you know, get a vaccine deployed immediately um, – over 50% of people have said they won't get it. So if, you know, like you're going to run into a hell of brick walls at, you know, in every which way we go while we're navigating this right now. So uh, let's, you know, hope things just kind of simmer down and we get a magical as far, solution. As far as like, you know, the population goes, is everyone, I just, you know, everyone keep staying safe, staying healthy, maintain your distance germ-free, wear your mask when you go into major stores. Like, we all want the same thing, and that's some normalcy. So, everyone just do their part, you know, and hopefully things get back to normal. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing is, like, we all want football in the fall, and we want everything to get back to normal. We could have just taken three weeks, like, in the very beginning in March and all sat at home and done nothing, and the virus could have been gone, but no one wanted to do that. And now we have fall sports – you know, up against, up against the wall. Um, you know, you have the NFL starting their intake of players into training camps. You know, we're going to probably see a lot of positive tests. Um, hopefully, you know, asymptomatic, you know, players, people who don't have any long-term issues. Thankfully, you know, Freddie Freeman's gotten back out, you know, and his, you know, feeling a little bit better, but he, you know, had, he said, you know, he had his days where he legitimately, you know, like, was struggling to breathe and had real issues and that's a professional athlete. And if, you know, if you think about someone like that, you know, having serious complications, anyone could have worse complications if you're not, you know, in better shape than he is, which I doubt, you know, any of us really are. So we really want to, you know, take everyone besides, you know, the players like into consideration when you think of this, like um, you have to think about teams liabilities and, 
um, different people. Like if you were attending these games, getting sick and the transmission, different people. And it's, it's tough when you're, you know, a player and you're forced into this situation. Some people are calling some of these NFL guys opting out selfish, but you know, you have players who have, you know, newborns at home and things like that. And we're all humans at the end of the day. And that's the number one thing to consider in this. And to remember, like, we'll be fine in the long run. Like sports will be here. Sports will come back, but like, let's take yeah those precautions. So we get them back properly and with, you know, the least amount of damage before we get them back. Oh, these, yeah. these players want us and the arenas, the stadiums, the hockey as bad as we as want to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, it makes it them is. more money. Like it increases the profits within the game. Like they don't want to be sitting out. They'd rather, you know, packed stadiums and, yeah. you know, but everything you have to, you know, run the, the cost benefit analysis for them. Like, you know, guys like um, Buster Posey who just adopted, you know, two newborns who were uh, in the neonatal natal, um, intensive care. Like, he can't be going playing baseball games and coming home to those newborns. Like they're already at risk as it is like bringing them home. So it's just, it's very, it's a very tough situation for everyone to walk around, but yes, the NHL is doing a great, a great job right now. And let's, you know, hope things continue this way because who would have, you know, who would have thought that the NHL would have handled scene. this the best way? Like, no, no, <laughs> no, nobody. No. nobody. But this is great, though. This is the time for the NHL to like really make a stand and be like, "Yo, we are supposed to be viewed as a as a major Top major league, sport yeah. in this in this country." Like, here's our approach. Here's how we handled it. Let's now move forward and understand right. that we're here for pleasure and business here. Like, we're trying mm-hmm. to give a, a competitive league, but also. On business side, we're serious about it. Yeah, like yeah. we're we're gonna still you know meet as much of you know our minimums as we can. Like we're gonna deliver on as many of our deals as we can, as safely as we can, because there's only so much you can do right now with you know not bringing fans into arenas and stuff like that. You see some of these very low level like um, professional baseball leagues and like collegiate summer leagues. In some of the states, they have, like, up to, like, 20 25% capacity. So, like, there's just people kind of scattered all over. Like, in situations like that where you're outdoors, like, that's fine. But when you're in an indoor environment within an arena that has, you know, just constant air circulating, uh, where is that air circulating from? Like, it's mostly circulating from inside. Like, it's just getting blown around. So, that virus would be getting, you know, all throughout the air. It's a little different when you're in a contained space than when you're outside and you know that's why everyone was sort of hoping you know once you get to the fall that we'd be able to have fans you know for nfl games but it's looking less and less likely for that um but it's just it's finally yeah like cat said it's good to see the nhl taking a step to be on the forefront on the leading edge of something for once Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, this, if you look at it, the way the sport's grown the last couple of years across the States is just, it's gotten leaps and bounds over the last couple of decades than it did in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And it, and it should like hockey is just, when you get into it, it's infectious. It's, I don't want to be, I mean, too soon to refer to it as like a virus, <laughs> but it's like a virus It gets in you and it's like, you just can't stop. So for, to get people more engaged right now, this is the time. Like this is, we take this seriously. Mm-hmm. So you should take us seriously. Like we get, pushed on the back burner consistently and it's crazy yeah so, i mean who knows like you know what i'm saying and like you were saying with 
the whole fans thing, like being a huge AHL fan, like if we don't have fans, we don't have a league. Like they don't have a TV contract. So how are we supposed to pay these guys? So if everybody can buckle down and show that ha- hockey can handle it right, I mean, we should be hopefully in good shape. We'll find out when the day comes, but who knows? Yeah, that's another thing to look at is when you you see, you know, these minor league baseball teams had to cancel their full seasons because if you don't have fans in attendance, you're not able to pay the players. It's like you said, the same thing for minor league hockey. If you're not able to pay players in the coast or the A, like, you know, are these parent franchises going to, you know, buckle up and maybe, you know, eat that, eat that money? I don't know. Like, are they willing to do those things? We're not too sure yet. Cash just transformed into a cat, which is absolutely not Bro, I didn't unbelievable know he because he's got like, he, dude, he's got like a hundred of them. <laughs> I, I, I charge admission for people that come to my house. I'm fucking serious. Seriously, I dude. I was like, cats, I'll come visit you. And he's like, yeah, dude, you got a place to stay. He's like, yeah, I got like 10 cats. I'm like, yeah, dude, I am allergic as hell to cats. Like, there's no, oh, no chance, dude. Paul, before I go into the, the cat talk. Cat talk. <laughs> cat talk. Cat talk. No, talk. No laws. Yeah, here we go. No laws now. No, no run stock. We can't be getting that. Cats are so easy to take care of for our listeners right now. You guys, come on. Listen, I'm give a dog a guy. Box, you give him so a bowl of water, some food. They're self-sufficient. I got, well, check out on them every like 12 hours. Cats. That's it. My dogs are like house cats. They're so well-behaved. I don't care. Yeah, if you train, if you train your dog cats, right, like you won't even have – How? Because you turned your, your camera on you turning it, transforming into a cat. I looked away at the Blue Jays game for a second. I looked back, and cats is a cat. That's right. A tumbo to Brickishaw wanted. Yeah, to be on the podcast. Time. Yeah, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to talk. Apparently, no, no meows today from a tumbo yeah. on the aisles. Can we get a comment from a tumbo? What is he? How does a tumbo feel about the aisles? Yeah. A tumbo. What do you guys? Yeah, is that really your cat's name? Are you being serious? That is. That yeah. is. I am so have, serious. Have that you, is her did, name. That's why. Come up, that's his Xbox name. What'd you say? The say Matumbo. <laughs> Her full name is Atumbo de Brickishaw Ferguson. I hate you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. Let's see her comments on uh, what's going I, on. Dude, she doesn't care, bro. I mean, yeah, go Isles. Your cat's so, an Isles fan. So Atumbo, Atumbo says after six years of waiting for Ilya Sorokin to come over, she's actually very pumped to see him um, in uniform today. He was in a practice jersey on the ice in Toronto. Bubble. I know Ooh, he's not gonna. Well, what are you gonna do if he takes a dump no. and he's a bust? Oh, well, then, he's oh. A bus. <laughs> then you Next. just you just cats. You literally we wasted like, all that. We wasted all that time and money. The past, the uh, past like year. Uh, and then we like, got Rolamov, and then we got to figure out where Grice. Might as well. The sign past Grice year, I've like, like known you pretty much. Like you've been waiting for Sorokin to come over, and yeah, if he came over and just completely shit the bed, like I think you would go into like. I don't think you realize like how like nuclear you would almost go because you were waiting for so long. Like you were so happy when it finally happened. Like, I think you would blow up. I was so happy. Yeah. Like, like you would blow up worse than he would out on the ice. Like, like, I I don't know, just that the the hype and the scouting reports behind this guy are so unreal. Like you, like you see Igor Shosturskin blow it up and they had similar numbers in the K. Of well, course, yeah, I mean, nothing is proven until we see what's going which, on, but it just makes sense to just be like, oh. If which brings up, brings up Ilya's a great gonna point. going to do it. A great point, great point, because you have a Russian goaltender there who some people 
have ranked, you know, up in the top 10 of players, like some, I've seen like a few people like prognosticate a couple teams who might, you know, reach and take them there in the top 10. Like when you look at goaltenders and you think about the draft, like, because it's so weird the way their development works. Like you have a lot of these guys who are later picks, like who develop later on or, you know, they develop, you know, over in Europe or whatever, like throughout time of getting gameplay and whatnot. Do you, do you look to take one in the first round? Like if, I mean, neither of your teams necessarily need a goalie right now, like in the draft, but if they did, like, would you be upset if they take a goalie in the top 10? Like Dom, you can start it. Um, considering like our, our wealth for lack of better words at, um, at goalie and Husa or Husa or whatever his name is in Hartford is a stud too. But I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to have, I mean, especially with everything that's going forward, you got another team that's coming up with, you're going to have an expansion draft. We're not really well, sure how it's going to work That's what I'm saying. Out. Like if, if without your current situations, cause like yeah. both you guys are in decent situations, like for goaltending. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it hurts either way though. You take, cause then yeah. there's always teams you're going to need them. Like say we pick one up and we trade trade them in a couple picks or a draft for Johnny hockey. You know what I mean? Like who, who knows? I mean, you could having wealth at a position like goaltending, especially with the way goaltending has been changing in the NHL the last mm-hmm. couple of years, like you're starting to see more teams want to have a tandem versus just one goalie and a backup. I agree. So to have another guy that you can move, I mean, guys are always looking for goalies. It never hurts to have another one. So if we could, why not? Especially like you said, the way they they're coming out of Russia right now. Oh my God! I mean, these What's kids. Last time we saw our goalie go top ten in the draft. Uh, oh man! I want to go ahead and say it's been a while. I'm not really off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you. Let's. But let's search. Yeah, well, cats. Who, tell me. Who, tell me your thoughts though. Yeah, about taking a goalie top ten minus the Iowa oh, situation. It's a it's a it's a dangerous game for whoever is in that situation to want to draft a top 10 goalie. Like, look, look what the Isles do with Rick DiPietro. He was a first overall pick, and we had to buy him out at the end of it all. Like, yeah, you how's just that working never out? know. You just never know. It, People it didn't give work me crap well for Bobby Bonilla. Uh, dra- drafting a goalie in the top 10, like, it, 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 it could work if you guys really need it. But there's also talent out there later in the drafts. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, for sure. But even if you – It's just like history kind of like almost repeats itself, though. Like you could go for that stud center first, second, third round. Or well, you, yeah. Well, look at look at the Canucks a couple years ago. I'll circle it back to the Canucks. I mean, they drafted OU Levy at fifth over Matthew Kachuk, and then he's been in Utica in front of me for the past couple years because he just – between being hurt and not fully developing, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot. So you really never know. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. So if you yeah. come across a goalie who's worth it, and then you think even if we don't need him, we can move him for something. I mean, that doesn't doesn't hurt. Yeah. So here's a list of the last 13 goalies to be taken in the first round of the draft: DiPietro, 2000, first overall; mm-hmm. Pascal Leclerc, 2001, eighth overall. Didn't have a great career. Uh, Kerry Lettinen was taken second overall in 2002. Uh, Flurry first overall in 03. Montoya, sixth overall in 04. Journeyman bounced around. Kerry Price, fifth overall in 05. Jonathan Bernier, 11th overall in 06, has bounced around. Chet Picard, 2008, first or 18th overall. Never – who who the hell is that? 
Yeah, I was going to say he was in the A. Jack Campbell, yeah, 11th bounced around. Andre Vasilevsky has blossomed, 19th overall. Ilya Samsonov, um, he's down in the A right now, I believe, right, for Hershey? Yep, yes. Yep, 22nd overall. Jake Ottinger, 26th overall. He's in the Stars organization, I believe. And then Spencer Knight, 13th overall. He's been playing for BC. Um, he's with in the Panthers organization. So you've seen – it's not a great turnout rate for, you know, other than Andre Vasilevsky, but he's a, you look at Yaroslav Askarov here uh, coming out of Russia. It's, it's kind of a coin flip. Like for me, like taking goalies in the first round, because you, I think you can get so much value later. Like you look at, you know, what the Sabres have right now. um, Like Eric Portillo is a guy you drafted fifth, fifth round I believe sixth round he's going to be going to Michigan had a great year in the USHL he's going to be learning um, behind Steve Shields and one of the top goalies in the NCAA at Michigan I can't remember his name right now but he had one of the highest win totals you know before everything stopped Um, and he's going to be in his senior year so Portillo's you know going to be projected to take over behind him he's got a great opportunity there in Michigan and you look at Uka Pekalukunen not a you know highly touted prospect but he's really jumped in the ranks and him coming over and playing so well at Sudbury you have different you know progression paths for all these guys and the goalie position I think is the one that's almost the most volatile of them all yeah especially with the different styles right now with you know playing butterfly Dwayne talks about it a lot puts so much stress on your hips these guys have you know you know there's so many guys who get you know to the precipice and then they have you know that one or two hip you know, tweaks that just end up throwing them off their game and they're never the same player again and can't get that back. Rick DPH right there with that hip injury. Sure. Exactly. So it's yeah. it's yeah. really it's a really, really risky move, I think, because a lot of a lot of positional players can come back from more serious injuries, I guess, um, generally speaking, whereas like these goalies are just sort of prone to them naturally because of their styles of play. Like it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, getting bumped into for the most part. Like it's, you know, usually them sliding across or. Oh yeah. You know, for so sure. It, that, that really, for me, like if the Sabres did it this year, like I'd be, I'd be off the Seneca one tower. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure, I'm sure Dwayne would, would agree with me too. Of all positions in hockey, like you said, the development is different, but they just mature significantly slower. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll sit and watch guys come through the A and it's just like, you're looking at a guy who hasn't matured for another two or three years. So you really have no idea what you're getting. You could have a guy comes in as an absolute stud overseas, say for example, he's got to come over, he's got to get used to the international ice. And then on top of that, he's got to develop for a couple more years before you even have any idea what you're doing. So it, it's, it's a crapshoot for the Sabres. I mean, your guys' goaltending situation is, uh, I mean, it's so, it's so weird. Yes. You got, (laughs) you got Carter Hutton who played through like vision issues. Like why, (laughs) like how many like commercials do you hear? Like you every, well, I'm not saying you guys, I'm talking to the listeners and the, you in this, in this sense here uh, for the LASIK on WGR, like Jeremy White's like literally talking about it all the time. Like, it's literally blast in your face. Carter Hart, go get some LASIK or something. Like, go take some time off. Like, we got guys beneath you. Like, um, when you brought up Jonas Johansson, he looked fine. Like, he had a great season down in Rochester, and he looked good. Like, when he was up here, he had, you know, average NHL numbers in front of a bad defense. So, 
you know, if you're able to do that, that's good enough for me, like, you know, to get us through to the end of the season while this goalie who I have millions of dollars into gets his eyes fixed for the next season. Like, I, I don't – that just absolutely baffled 35. me. Yeah, so, like, yeah, you have him <laughs> under contract only for one more season, thankfully, and you you want to bring up um, Uka, but you don't want to rush him. So, it's just a weird situation because then he's there with uh, Johansson. Like, he's not going to necessarily start over him in Rochester because Rochester had been playing so well. He had been doing – you know, like they they were an absolute wagon for you know periods there. In yeah, the tell a. me about it. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. So they skate everybody out of the goddamn building. It's exactly. Like finally, like good to hear. Like the Sabers doing you know something right within their organization. Like getting guys who move. Like that's what you need in the modern NHL. Um, you know, you saw that when you brought some of them got some of those guys up um, and you're going to have to, you know, continue to develop from the A. Dom, as a guy who's watched a lot of the A, like, what do you think about, you know, some of those guys from Rochester? Is there anyone who really, you know, stuck out to you over the past season or two that, you know, who may be an outside fringe guy that could, you know, end up making an impact for the Sabres? Well, like I said, I mean, their their whole whole team right now, when they whenever they show up, it's like they just skate everybody out of the building. Like the whole team moves, it's it's unbelievable. And like you said, Johansson, I mean, he's just he's dynamite. I don't I don't know what it is, but we can't contain him at all. He's one of those guys. I mean, there's a couple of guys on that team. I mean, Redmond wasn't bad. Smith was all right. Um, I'll correct me if I'm wrong, but Casey Middlestat was down for a little while too. Oh no, yeah, he was he was down all season. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like I remember seeing him down there. But yeah, that. Their whole team, in comparison, the last couple of years has gotten significantly better. So that's what I'm saying. Like you guys have around Eichel and who you have on the Sabers now, you have some decent, like decent youth to to build on. You just don't have anybody as like a veteran player to come like really bring it together. Which if you could, you, I mean, what Kyle Oposo doesn't move the needle for you. No, I mean he oh, does. Comparison, but... out of his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say his boot was getting knocked out by Tony D'Angelo. Oh, jeez. Oh, I remember I was standing next to Tristan. We were at um, Riverworks for the uh, Labatt Pond Hockey Tournament. Shout out to Labatt. That's a great event every year. Thankfully, that was, you know, able to go off this year, kind of, uh, before everything, you know, went off, like whatever. Um, so, <laughs> like, Tristan and I, like, watched it, and I looked at him, and I was like, I don't know if he should ever play hockey ever again. Like, that, it was bad. Like, I was – I, oh, I felt so bad. Like, as someone, like, I had, I not, didn't have, like, serious concussion issues ever, like, growing up playing youth sports. But, like, throughout football, like, you feel the, the conglomerate of the hits. Like, I've had more probably undiagnosed than diagnosed. So, like, you feel for guys who, you know – are doing that. And especially in that situation where you're, you know, trying to stand up for yourself, stand up for your team and you have that happen. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a real, real, real bad situation, especially when you're trying to keep yourself safe for your family. Right. No. Yeah, for sure. And then you got, uh, he correct me. He plays, he plays on the right side. He's a right winger, I believe. And you guys have some, you got depth in your wingers down in Rochester. So, hey, who, who yeah. knows? He gets knocked out cold, and you just bring up, what's his name, uh, Sebastian Day or whatever. I know he's a center. I mean, Day, yeah, he's hopped <laughs> around. But, like, he's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Sabres, I think, have done, like, 
a good job of bringing in like those depth guys who are good AHL players who right. are going to let your younger guys, you know, you can just kind of slot them in, you know, where need be. Like you can put Middlesad in better situations who, with guys who have some AHL experience, have been around a couple of years, um, who've scored some goals. Like CJ Smith has performed very well um, for the Amherst since we brought him here, like that type of player um, where oh, you can plug and play him. But you have guys like Rasmus Asplund who've come across from Europe too. I thought, you know, in his limited time up here with the Sabres, you talked about how, you know, they never stopped moving their feet in Rochester pretty much. And that's the style of play, you know, Asplund brought to the Sabres, even, you know, thrust into a bottom six situation where we all know the struggles the Sabres have had down there. You know, he was able to at least, you know, make some sort of highlights. Like he didn't just look out of place. Like he's a type of guy, you know, who could probably fit into the roster if you, if you needed to. And if you had to spend elsewhere and like you, you had to keep costs down and like, I think that's where the Sabres, you know, have kind of gone wrong in the past couple of years. They haven't brought up those guys who are like right on the precipice. Like you look at teams like um, the Blackhawks or the Penguins, that's, that's where they continue to get guys like Marcus Kruger and like Connor Sherry, like when he was on the fringe, like these guys who are right there and then you, you plug and play them with your top players and it really takes them and elevates their game to the next level. You have to bring those guys up for Jack to play with. And I think it's almost the same thing with the Isles right now, looking to get some guys with Barzal. Like you want Kiefer Bellows to be the guy, like you thought it was going to be Josh Hosang. Like you have people <laughs> that you can do things, but like, are they going to do things like when they're up with, you know, with the, with the main team? Like it's just so many. Oh, it's, a, so many it's a, it's a gambling game at this point. We've had players that we've seen play, uh, almost 10 plus games where Alva Wallstrom played a group of games. Kiefer Bellows played a group of games. You even see Josh Hosang in the lineup and the boys went like nine and one with Josh Hosang in the lineup. And he's still the kryptonite of that team. It, it just doesn't make any sense. What is Brett Thompson doing down at Bridgeport? Brett, I'm talking to you. Are you okay? Do you want to talk? Like, are, is everything all right down there in Bridgeport or up there considering where I am geographically? Like, are, are you all right, bud? Like, you have the pieces, man. What's going on down there developing these guys that are supposed to be studs for us? Like, we will never Yeah, know. I gotta see, I have to see them 85 times a year. And that's, that's another thing. Like, you, you look at what the Sabres did. Like, they developed Rochester so well. And it seems like, you know, into a powerhouse. Obviously, you bow out of the playoffs in the first round last year. That really sucks. But this year, they looked really poised for to have a good run with Chris Taylor as the head coach. And you <sighs> let him go. Oh, my God. Um, I couldn't believe that. On top that. of everything that they did, that was kind of the most baffling decision. Everything I've heard is sort of this disconnect on philosophy between him and Kruger and Adams. And Adams and Kruger have a more, you know, similar philosophy, and they wanted to bring someone in who has, you know, that sort of thing. Well, it seems like Chris Taylor has been successful, you know, winning games, and he hasn't had, you know, the the top-end talent at the AHL level. Like, we look at some of those Sabres picks, like they're not all down there right now. Like at least the higher, you know, level guys, like we've been drafting, you know, through Europe mainly and through um, the collegiate system rather than, you know, in like, they're not, they're not quick to bring, they haven't been quick to bring guys over from Europe with Jason Bottrell. Um, they've, they've really let them, you know, develop over there on their own before they get into the A. That's why you look at, um, you have Victor Olsson who right away jumps in 
and is fine. Like Aspen looked fine right away in Rochester and, you know, like, but doing that, like it doesn't necessarily, you know, bring that cohesiveness. They're not learning your style of game. So maybe, you know, is that part of that philosophy they're talking about? Like they want to just bring them over earlier to learn their style. Like, okay, I can, I can get that, but just the optics of the move were, were wild to me, Dom. Yeah, no, that I didn't see. I didn't understand any of that either, especially because like we've been talking about it, the, the amount of success they were having in Rochester, it didn't make any sense. So when, when I see like being removed from the situation, watching the Amherst progressively get better and then watching the talent that you guys have up in Buffalo right now, it's like, listen, they might finally be getting it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, I, I told, we went, uh, Sabres Rangers two years ago when the game when Acapulco got knocked out me and Samantha I thought I was like listen I th- I honestly you can call me crazy but I think the Sabres got a playoff run the next couple of years and then this year happened and it's you just st- like yeah, oh, and you, well. see the, you see the start of the season and like oh yeah I went to the first two home games of the year too like it just absolutely electric after that like oh we had things fixed but like the depth problems mm-hmm. yet again like when you don't change those depth guys like you're not going to see more success like um there's a lot that goes around about the log line with larson Ocposo and gergensen's like yes like analytically they do well like i don't mind you know keeping them together but you look at everyone else you've had there in the bottom six like they don't produce like any anybody you've had down there um whether it's um jimmy vz or <laughs> you know some of these other stop gaps they've had connor sherry like you just can't find anyone who can score unless they're with Jack Eichel, which is the problem. Right. right, um, right. There was like, there was a point I think two years ago where Jack Eichel had like 15, like primary assists before he even got a secondary one. Cause like guys like weren't even finishing unless he was the primary, you know, set up like it, it's been that bad here in Buffalo where like, we just want, you know, proven goal scorers. So I guess if you have to, change the AHL coach and if that'll change the philosophy if that'll get goal scorers here I don't care what you have to do like but that's what we need (laughs) and I don't know it's just the the optics of the moves didn't make sense and I think like Kat said when the move happened he would take Chris Taylor immediately in Bridgeport like he's he's a he's a known commodity like he's something other people would want like cats and and you and and you mentioned how your secondary scoring doesn't happen if Eichel is the is, is that primary assister. That's kind of how we felt with, like, yeah. Barzell the last couple of months going on. It's like, if Barzell's, like, dishing the puck here and these players aren't putting the puck in the back of the net. What, it's not what, going in, yeah. What, oh, yeah it's the purpose what's going to happen basketball. in the long run? Barzell's like, even if, I, even if I'm not selfish and, and we're not scoring, what am I doing here? Yeah, it's like, either you got to sit like, right up like, or score. And, like, it's a Barzell, weird situation a, for a player. He is in a very, very unique situation where he's coming up to, uh, you know, he, he was in contract le- uh, contract year last year. He's coming up to re-signing, a, hopefully, uh, a, con- uh, a decent contract with the Isles. We're open for like five or six years of bridge deals. So that way he can dip into free agency for a second time while mm-hmm. he's still in his prime, kind of like what Austin Matthews did. I believe they have the same agent, which is why it's smart he's going to take that route. It's smart either way, but yeah. Um, you got to get the pieces to like, uh, let's, 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 let's take the bills route here. If Josh Allen doesn't have pieces to throw to what good is Josh Allen throwing exactly. balls deep? Like he's no one's going to catch the balls. Like you've got mm-hmm. someone, if Barzell's dishing, 
who's tapping that puck in the back and of the net. And that's the same, same problem the Sabres have had. Same, yeah. same exact thing. And it's just – it's like – it's it's just sickening to watch because I think Barzell and Eichel are very similar offensive players. And like, they're not, they're not shoot first. They'll shoot if they have to. And like, if the situation presents itself, but they would much rather dish it off. They're like, Oh yeah. Wayne Gretzky apples. Yeah. My dad told me apples count as two like mentality. Um, Whereas, you know, you see some of these other guys who, you know, they, they want to dominate the puck and they want to try to do it themselves. Like Crosby right. will create a little bit more for himself. Um, whereas, like, I think Jack and Barzell, like, will take, you know, two guys on so they can try to, you know, drop it off or, you know, do the little extra for, you know, someone else on the team. But they don't, you know, when they don't succeed and you set them up perfectly over and over again, it's got to be so deflating for them. And yeah, and I can't even imagine, you know, like <laughs> – at that point, the Islanders just get easy to defend yeah. against because it's like, oh, here's Barzell taking tours That's in the offensive zone. The like, you know, go ahead, lap us around six times, but if you're not getting the puck to the net or if you're not finding an open player, you're useless. Brother. Every time, pretty you much every time they got hot. Best. Yeah, pretty much every time they got hot, it was you know Jack Eichel going on these crazy streaks, and then teams would pretty much double, triple team him every time he touched the puck. I think there was a play. I I, I don't know. I think it was against Dallas where, you know, he comes around and all the defensemen pretty much just skate away and he just, you know, rips it top chad. And, like, if you're going to give him that much space, like, he's going to bury. Like, you have to close in on him. So teams just started fucking overloading him. And when you don't have the other guys there to deal with those quick, hard passes that are going to come because you're getting out of tough, like, sticky situations, like, you have to be ready at all times. And, like, unless you're at that upper echelon, like, most of these guys just – they're not thinking at the same like IQ level, I think might be a big thing. And that's why Sam Reinhardt is a guy who doesn't, he does like, okay, away from Jack, but when he's with Jack, it's so much better because he's a great IQ guy. He's not a fast skater or anything, but he knows where to be. He knows where to put his stick. He has that NHL pedigree and some of those situations that he's been, you know, getting into, with, you know, Vic, like finding Victor Olofsson now on the off wing for, you know, the one-timers have, has been awesome. But, like, besides that, like, you haven't been able to find anything else. And, you know, Skinner battling through injuries doesn't help. But In, in unrelated news, we uh, love to watch the first rush of the Maple Leafs, John Tavares passing it off for a fucking assist for the first goal of the game. Let's in go. Match. 15 seconds to the game. Gotta love that. Listen, no – no offense to John Tavares. He is a great centerman. I loved, you know, he was like, he could have been, you know, getting his number retired. Damn his number's boy. already retired in the, in the Islanders franchise. Butch Goring, the real 91. Go off, Cats. Yeah, go off, King. Dude, tell go us, off, tell King. us how you really but feel. John Tavares with the with John the Tavares. Absol- with the apple, absolute beautiful dish, just dishing over there. Was that Ilya Mikheyev? Woo. Yeah, that just a nice feed in front of the net. And, yeah, just uh, absolutely. Toronto, is that just dish and hockey? The Put the little registered mark, trademark that. That was beautiful by John Tavares. Cap, cap. Ooh, absolutely beautiful. Right with the trademark there. Could you but, imagine, yeah, the, like, just, if he was still in the aisles? Just could I imagine if he was still in the aisles? More ice time for Barzal to turn the Barzal. puck over more. Barzal. Listen, a, a real honest fan understands that Barzal is a turnover machine, and I love the team that we have. But we, 
we hurt after Tavares left. That we should have just rebooted, get rid of the older contracts, start over again. But no, here we are with the average age of twenty eight point nine heading into a very asterisk tour it's season. Rebuild on the fly. Barzell and Kiefer Ball. Here we are, ten, tenth season in the rebuild, but it took the Rangers fifteen months to 18 do it. Eighteen months. Here, here we are. Oh. Or Tammy Pernier, we stole you from the aisles. He didn't want to come. Oh, you! Aisles. He didn't want to go there. What are you talking about? All right, about? All right boys, boys, didn't boys. Didn't want him to go there. Boys, settle it down. Settle it down right now. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hash this out before we end the pod. You're both gonna give me your predictions on both of these series. I need nothing but love, though. I need the real talk first on the Isles series against Florida. This is pretty much a toss-up when you look at it betting-wise. Uh, throughout the season, I think the Isles won all three games against Florida, however. Yes, sir. But this is a very, very intriguing matchup. Give me the real talk, Dami. Well, like you said, it's interesting. I like – we talked a little goaltending. Shout out, to, shout out to our boy, Dwayne. I love talking goaltending. So, I, I think you played Grice. He's been successful against Florida. Um, Varlamov is good, but I think you played Grice. Uh, I think the bulk of majority of Florida scoring, it's spread around enough to where if uh, the Isles defense is, is even an eighth shaky, they're going to have a problem. Um, I mean, Barkov was a stud this year. They got some, they believe it or not, Florida's got some good players. Like the more you look at them, they got some good players. I, I think they're a little deeper offensively than the Isles are. I don't think Katz likes to hear that. I think the Isles are just a little more gritty. You see Ross Johnston's going to come out and knock somebody out. Boys, You're boys, right. there's, there's a rainbow at the Blue Jays game right now, and it's just so beautiful. And they're winning 3-1. to one. It's like a pot of gold. Finish it up, Dom. Give me – give me – I need I, Listen, I, need I, said, I said break, Isles. Break Katz's heart. Break Katz's heart. I know you want to go. I'm going to go song daddy it. Keith Yandel's going to come Hello? up huge. Sunk. Panthers in five. Yep, I, I, dude, I, I do lean Panthers too. Like I'm being completely honest. <laughs> they're used to like, playing in empty. I, hey, but no, I. Huge. That's what you're saying. Like they're used to playing in empty, huge arenas. Nobody's I got them in five. I think it's going to be a, a close game. Yeah, yeah. No one's talking about Q. Like he's got the experience and he's got the right players to do it with Huberto down the middle, like or on mm-hmm. the side. Like you just got so much there and like. I don't know. Hoffman had a huge like, year. It yeah, like Hoffman guy distributes. Yeah, a huge year. Like I don't know. Uh, I think I think the Isles are gonna have big problems. Cats. Uh, tell me why the Islanders won't lose in five. Well, other than Dom being a really good friend from Canada and going Panthers the distance in five here, I'm gonna Go totally disagree on that. And Isles in four here. Uh, they just built. There's just so much more depth on that team. Like, if, if I'm going to, like, pick an overall rating for the Panthers, they're like a, like a 78 rating going into the – I don't know. Mark, Mark Pesek playing forward is pretty nasty. They're, it's, it's, we have to expose that lackluster defense there. And, like I said, that secondary scoring needs to be huge for the Isles. Yeah, Anthony but if Bob Bavillier, shows up. If you've got nothing Oof. to do and you're listening to our podcast, like – Put some pucks in the back of that. Jordan Eberle, you lit it up last year. You led the team in points that first round against Pittsburgh. We swept Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. Let's set it up again. We do have a good roster going down the middle. We got J.J. Pajot in the mix, that third-line center. Andy Green adding that veteran presence. Like, we don't have enough veteran presence on the team. That's 
fine. It's Grice's net to lose, I believe. We're going back to which goalie's going to get the nod here. Grice has the established uh, record against Florida. Being on that Islanders team in an Islanders sweater, Varlamov is a really, really good goalie. Don't get me wrong. They go hand-in-hand in numbers. Grice's net to lose if we're going to go in terms of history against the Florida Panthers here. Uh, notable players to watch out for for the Panthers. So, yeah, Mike Hoffman, Dadanov, um, and you got Song, Daddy, Keith, Yandel, and Barkov on that blue line, but that's all they have for that blue line. What if Bobrovsky shows up? I don't know. Math Bobrovsky will bad. steal a game, which is why I'm saying Isles. One game? Mm. Oh. I don't know. He had a dog shit know. year, and he's going to be looking uh, I don't know. Back. I don't know. But, but, but gonna... if Tristan was on the pot here, you know he would be saying this is the most boring matchup of the playoff mm-hmm. series. I know he's enjoying I don't care. His time yeah, I don't care. I don't care what I'm happens with this series. Boys. I mean, obviously, like, I hope – I kind of hope the Islanders keep winning. So, like, I, I get videos of cats, you know, continuing to chug yes. instead of, like, instead of getting hot garbage shotguns, which, like, are great and all. But, you know, you can only take so many before you feel bad for the kid. Um, but let's move on to the next series. You got your Rangers, Dom, as underdogs plus one twenty against the Hurricanes. And are they the underdogs? Yeah, they are the, the underdogs? And, oh and you look at it though in the season series, the Rangers won all four games. Dom, you got to give me your predictions here. You got to be real. Promote the pod. And I love the real talk this time of year. You got to talk about this, this slighting that the Rangers are getting here against the Hurricanes because they've been a great team most of the season. They struggled a little bit, but analytically they've had good numbers all year. But the one team that's been there kryptonite was the Rangers. Give me a reason to bet on the Rangers in this series. All right. Well, I'll give you a couple if you're ready. So one is my guy. Henrik Lundqvist, who I think they're going to end up playing in goal for starters. Because of those four games, he won three of them, including a 45-save night. I mean, he was unreal against Carolina this year. He had he was His save percentage was .947 of the year against – I mean, he just – he ate Carolina up. It was unbelievable. And then, again, if he doesn't, you got Shesterkin backing him up. So, we'll go with that, not to mention the amount of ridiculous offensive firepower this New York Rangers team has. You got the bread man showed up in New York completely decided he's going to take over the show and just turn this rebuild into a push for a playoff goal. And he, he I mean, he, 95 points. I mean, is, is that, is that good? I think that's good. Right. And then he had 63 saves. Lord knows how many he went to Zabanajad. who fun fact for me, because led the league in goals after the all-star break till the shutdown. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the offense is, leaps and bounds better in Carolina. I, I, I know for a fact, I'm pretty sure Dougie Hamilton's not playing for them. So that's a huge problem. Our penalty kill was dog shit. So if we could just stay off of the kill, we should be good. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm saying Rangers at four. That's, that's it. I, I don't, I don't think there's any argument. I think it's egregious. The, the line between these two teams, I, I don't even care about the seating, but the fact that we're being looked as such an underdog is egregious, especially because they didn't even want to play us. Like they threw a temper tantrum about it. Yeah. Yep. They were the one of the only teams who voted against the playoff system and who were one of the teams that voted for it that allowed them out. The Buffalo Sabres, absolute dumb move. But I'm sorry, Dom, to bring you on the podcast. I'm, uh, I'm going with the Hurricanes in this. <laughs> and Cats, because you're our resident outdoor cat of the podcast, 
you get the last word on Dami Hockey's Rangers. Give it to me. How do you think this series plays out for your resident New York team? Honestly, after watching those aisles get swept by the Carolina Hurricanes, I'm actually all for you, Dom. Honestly, you guys have that offensive firepower. Way to go to get Panarin away from us. Like, good good for you. Was it? Oh, was, my God, away from us. Was it Soho that sold him? Was it so? Was it the beautiful brick buildings in Manhattan that sold Panarin? Who knows? Was it Longquist's guitar lessons for Panarin oh that got him over there? Who knows? But you guys do have that offensive firepower, and you guys have a really good coach out there um to to uh help you know with that young team that you guys have and like i said panarin light years ahead of that rebuild sabinajad absolute stud i've gotten listen all jokes aside with being honest i've got nothing bad to say about the new york rangers right now in the position you guys are the hurricanes you guys aren't our two series have nothing to do with each other right now other than tomorrow's exhibition game which means almost nothing except to get the legs going i say rangers in four the carolina hurricanes they do have some pieces uh, but their goaltending, uh, it, it just doesn't match up against the Rangers right now. And uh, I agree with you, Dom. Rangers in four. That's the only time <laughs> agree with Dommy Hockey. Oh, the no. There. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. There I'll might see be a lot of there might Saturday be a lot of times. For the aisles. Yeah, there might be a lot of times for you to agree or disagree with Dommy Hockey coming in the near future. Uh, for everyone, we'll uh, we'll see about that. But yeah. Obviously, you got the play in playoffs starting on Saturday. Last thoughts, Dami, how are you feeling going into everything? This is it's it's been a long time coming. Oh, I listen, I'm I came home from work today and I got so jacked up just to watch a stupid exhibition game between the Pens and the Flyers. <laughs> like I, I was like, it's, it's back. Like, I can't believe it. I, I think that this especially doing the play-ins the way they're doing is is sick. I mean, you get to watch some great hockey. Some of these matchups are incredible. I and think this all Vancouver – day yeah. long. Yeah. I mean, as a hockey fan, you, you got no choice but to be jacked up the whole weekend. I'm The second I get out of work on Saturday, I'm going to sit down in front of the couch with a couple of beers and not move until probably Monday. Like, I'm just going to watch as much hockey as I can. And I'm – for every matchup, even the boring Isles-Panthers matchup, I mean, I can't wait to watch all of them. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It might not be the most exciting matchup, but we're going to be watching every single game because it's been so long since we've had hockey. Cats, how do you feel right now? You're about to be getting Isles hockey back against the Rangers, and you're going to have some legitimate playoff action. I don't care what anyone says. It's the playoffs right away. You have a chance at the Stanley Cup. The Baby, how are you feeling right now? Baby, we feeling good. Like play that, play that track for we were just listening. Fleetwood Mac and Dreams. Play, play, play that for me as we head out because the boys are in the bubble. They're healthy. We're getting playoff hockey back. It's been a hundred plus Minnesota days United. since anybody had hockey, and we're getting some good action here with some exhibition games. I don't like seeing John Tavares. But I'm handling it just fine here with you guys on the pod. It's okay. fine. Look, they're, okay. they're, wipe, they're wiping down the uh, the rig right now. Look, they're in they're in hazmat suits. It's pandemic gone wild, baby. The NHL is back. We're ready to go. Let's go, Isles. Got a hype video coming out tomorrow. Stay tuned. Yep, Katz is jacked up. Dami's jacked up. I'm jacked up. We're all ready for real hockey to get back. Obviously, these exhibitions are great. 
but the playoffs are like nothing else. That's why we've all fallen in love with hockey, and that's why we continue to watch hockey for the pursuit of Lord Stanley's Cup. For Pazda Electric, 716-698-2711. Give them a call for any electrical need. Shout out Trainwreck Sports or This Train Never Stops, and they'll give you a little hookup. For my boy, Cats Down on Long Island, Dami Hockey out in Utica. Let's go Sabres. Stay safe, and let's just hope for a Stanley Cup this year, baby. (laughs) 